Hello and welcome to Dystopian Deep Dives with your host Natalie Donna, which follows is a conversation about transgenderism, radical feminism, COVID-19, and lots of other things. Uh, this was a friend that reached out to me. The YouTube channel she operates is called Earthy Amazons. So please enjoy the conversation. And without further ado, here's the episode. Well, what absolutely boggles my mind is that, you know, the left used to be really all about holding big pharma accountable. And all of a sudden, it's like everything is right wing if you question anything about safety or efficacy. And yeah, they spent a really good portion of time uh, beating that into everybody's heads, even before all of this started, I think, you know, this sort of, uh, quote unquote, like anti-vax <laughs> position, oh. which is kind of crazy. So they can paint that onto ev- everyone who's decided, you know, they don't want this thing um, for whatever reason. It should be bodily autonomy, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... It, it makes it so just two-dimensional. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no room for, for nuance, you know, and you can't even look at or analyze the data. And, and this is what really gets me when everyone's like, believe the science, trust the science. Right. That's not, that's not how science works. In fact, science doesn't actually ever technically totally prove anything. Yeah, it just and it never has it. been, right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> which the is the data strongly indicates that XYZ. Exactly. It's kind of interesting. I feel like they took a men in black pen out and like it hit a lot of people <laughs> because people <laughs> seem to have forgotten it, you know if you're kind of sick, you stay home. Like, yeah. And there's a conversation to be had about healthcare in this country for sure. You know? Um, but now everything's just so, uh, like demented. You can't even have a conversation about like basic, uh, I think like reality or facts. Yeah. Well, well you can't because it, it gets censored. There's not even room to, discuss not even debate but there's not even room to discuss anything yeah what do you think of that whole joe rogan situation (laughs) i mean i don't know like i'm not surprised like there's so much media (laughs) censorship and gatekeeping and like canceling i i'm not surprised yeah, they've gone way. back and forth with Spotify. I heard they just offered him like a bunch of money to like basically quit Spotify or something. <laughs> I don't know if you heard this news. No, I kind of, after I first heard about it, I looked into it a bit and then I was just like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny too that they feel the need to censor like Joe Rogan. I mean the man is not a doctor. Uh, They can listen to the people. The censorship is crazy to me because I feel like this is, you know, from someone who I guess hovered around the left for a while. I thought this Mm -hmm. was like a paramount concern of theirs, you know, bodily autonomy and free speech. Yeah, no, not free speech hasn't really been a left-wing issue since the ACLU changed what it stands for. Oh, when did they do that? If you don't mind me asking. I I don't know the exact dates, but they used to stand for complete freedom of speech. Mm. And now they're not about that, especially when it comes to the transgender issue. That's right. I mean, the ACLU a while back in like feminist history uh, did, you know, um, there was Dworkin and um, Catherine McInnes, McInnes, Mm -hmm. McKinnon, Mm -hmm. McKinnon, right. Um, They tried to bring something to the ACLU like quite some time ago about pornography and like the damages that it would do. 
And so even then, I mean, but they protected free speech at that point. They said it was free speech, right? Porn is free speech. Um, even though I think it's hate speech, uh, if there ever were to be a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's, it's really interesting that, you know, all of these giant organizations, I think they've just been captured so long ago, if not from their inception, uh, it's unclear, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The transgender issue is, uh, even among like truther, uh, people or, Uh, people who you get maybe like alternative news from no one really talks about transgenderism to the degree that uh, radical feminists have been uh, Mm -hmm. for years now so isn't that Mm -hmm. how you you have like done some media in the past um I yeah I was on Facebook for a while but then I just left I was just over yeah but you have a YouTube channel right I do. Yep. Yeah, I started that YouTube channel because well, I had found the radical feminist philosophy, oddly enough, on Facebook. I wasn't really looking for anything specific, just like generic yay feminism. <laughs> and that's what I stumbled upon. Hmm. And it made so much in my life and in the world makes sense. It was like looking at the world through that lens. Yeah, I think it is a pretty good analysis of of the, you know, oppression of women in the society. I think there are certain factions within like the umbrella that uh, get get into like these kind of purity politic issues. Um, But I, I often wonder why it is that, you know, so-called radical feminists have been so silent around what's been going on. Like transgenderism can't be the only issue. And I also see parallels between transgenderism and what's going on now as far as the medical tyranny and sort of this bodily autonomy issue, but- uh, in Like a with re- the transient of kids. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean- it, Bodily autonomy. Yeah, it's sort of weird because it's like a reversal of that in a way. Like the parents at this point are like, well, I don't want to do that. But, you know, kids in the United States can basically make a lot of medical decisions by the time they're 13. Um, It's kind of (laughs) wild to me. They can make all kinds of medical decisions, but like the nurse at school can't give them an aspirin. Right. It's very strange. I mean, um, I, I don't know if you're a parent, like I'm not a parent. Mm-mm. I don't want to be a parent. I don't want to deal with all of that. I'm fine. But- <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine personally. You know, <laughs> but I do understand. See, that's the weird part, the weird sort of, uh, because mothers, I, I don't think are uh, appreciated enough in this society as it is. And then, you know, you sort of have the radical feminist framing of mothers being kind of like, well, they're acquiescing to, you know, patriarchy either. So it's interesting because the divide there, what I find interesting is that there are mothers who are like, well, I don't want to do this to my kids, meaning like the big V, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and I find it interesting that certain women on the left or radical feminists wouldn't... um, uh respect their bodily autonomy do you know what i mean right no yeah i i get it and i'm not um an anti-natalist i think if someone really makes that decision very consciously it can be a very positive thing Mm -hmm. but you know that's that's not what's going on in the world and Mm -hmm you know, women get exploited for their reproductive capacity. Totally agree. And and I get what you're saying, where, like, I saw you saying, like, mothers aren't valued enough in society, like, in America, or, like, This is, like, a whole, I think, just the the world. And, And when they do seem to be revered, it's sort of this fake reverence, like, a, uh, I mean, to go with kind of like a hyper-Christian context, 
Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's the opposite of of revering motherhood. Like it's still a, a ball and chain. Um, I think what I'm getting at though is this sort of like, well, moms should be able to decide what they want to do with their kids, and they can't decide either way, you know, with the mm -hmm. big V or the big T. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I see what you're saying, but I also see in a lot of ways, socially, moms will get kind of like, almost like put on a pedestal, like it's like this weird hierarchy. Yeah, and I can note, see, I don't know if I you notice it in social situations as a woman who doesn't have children, but you know, if you're talking with a group of women and like, you know, some scenario at work or wherever, and they're all like mothers and, you know, talking about their kids and they just, you get this feeling of like othering. Yeah. I, I mean, I think for me, it's maybe I'm a little bit older and like, even that sort of feeling doesn't bother me so much. Um, you know, people have a lot of different life stories and life trajectories. And I'm actually the kind of person that's pretty quiet and will listen to whatever a person is telling me, uh, even if I'm like, oh, well, this is kind of boring. Um, and then you're lucky if like you're at a party and you're like, well, I'm going to go get a drink or something. You can try to find your way out of the conversation. But I see okay. what you're saying. I see what you're saying as far as, uh, yeah, like the dominating of the conversation, if it's like a group of women and maybe there are a few single women. Um, but yeah, I guess it's, you know, it's a very important milestone. But what I want to get back to is sort of the like failure of, of certain leftist women or radical feminists to acknowledge, you know, that this is a problem for women. So, you know, not just women with children, but, you know, there are reports that this is affecting women, th these uh, vaccinations. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess from their perspective, how they see it is that a lot of healthcare workers, a lot of nurses are women. Mm -hmm. And so they see it as unvaccinated people clogging up the hospitals, putting a burden on these female first responders. So I think that that is their line of thought with it. But you know, did they realize that they've, what, what really bothers me is that I feel like they don't realize that maybe they've swallowed something that is propaganda and that many of them aren't really radical at all, but sort of still trapped in like a liberal uh, media bubble, if that makes sense. Or they're not doing their own research to like look up, you know, what exactly is going on. I, most radical feminists that I've talked to online usually come from a, a leftist sphere, mm -hmm. you know, like that's usually how they made their way there. So they're, they're already in their heads that like, this is where the good news comes from mm. over there is where the bad news comes from. And like, like I'm not a fan of Fox News, but at least they don't lie about exactly who they are and what they stand for and what they're going to talk about, you know? Like they don't pull any punches with like, oh, we're neutral, like CNN tries to pretend to be. <laughs> yeah, CNN's pretty crazy <laughs> stuff. Like I haven't watched it I, I came back to the United States not like actually it was like four years ago now and I regret it <laughs> immensely um, because people are so polarized here and they do just tune into whichever news station you know they think they you know Democrat or Republicans represent which to me is not news and and there's another conversation to be had about these organizations you know fear mongering on both sides. Um, and yeah. not reporting, just not yeah. reporting news. It's, I don't, maybe the mm -hmm. last time they stopped doing that was the seventies. I don't know, but it's definitely not news. And so it's very disappointing to like, 
see people sort of polarized in this way by these mechanisms and it's just working out it's playing out so perfectly <laughs> yeah and you know i think some radical feminists are seeing that maybe they're wrong about some things but i think it's human nature to just want to double down mm -hmm. like if I have a hunch or I'm looking at the big picture and looking right. at all the pieces, I'll just blurt out like what my hypothesis is, what my theory is. And if I'm wrong, so be it. But mo not all the time, most of the time I've been right. And Isn't that the saddest feeling? <laughs> <laughs> I don't wanna be right about this. Right? Like when COVID broke out, at my first, like felt it somewhere right between my stomach and my heart mm. said this was made in a lab and you were censored from saying that you couldn't even say that not just in the online sphere which i wasn't really active in uh, at the time but just in society it, it was censored and now like relatively recently wasn't it on the cover of newsweek <laughs> I mean, it happens to me all the time. Like uh, YouTube took down a whole video where uh, it wasn't even me, it was a Holocaust survivor. <laughs> it was a mirror of this woman talking about how, you know, she's seeing these parallels. And uh, YouTube- I trying to find her videos and I can't find them anywhere. Yeah, YouTube totally striked me for mirroring that. And then there was another one I made where it was like uh, about the Israeli uh, data. And uh, it was basically like, uh, hey, look, like these people who have been totally big veed are, you know, having, uh, you know, still contracting this thing. And, you know, the numbers prove it. And that was struck down. And I had, you know, like a mainstream source of news. And then a few days later, The Hill had featured the same story. And I guess that was okay on their YouTube, but not mine, which has only like 300 subscribers. It's crazy. I think you probably have some hate subscribers who like gave a strike against you, whereas like The Hill is like larger and monetized and no yeah, idea yeah the back end off of their mugs and t-shirts and i'm i have no idea stuff. what but i think it might be done by a machine at this point <clears throat> um when they check your audio i know they do it with text so i wouldn't be surprised uh but that is just you know an idea i don't i don't know that for sure which i always try to say if i don't know something for sure i try to make that disclaimer so yeah you're not even allowed to say stuff that you found in the news um, yeah. as a relatively small like YouTube channel or whatever. And not even in the news, just data from scientific journals. Yes, just like CDC <laughs> data. <laughs> just regular old data that you can't even may talk or may about not, it, yeah. Analyzing it. But you know what really gets me? So this manipulation of language, I mean, we see it with transgenderism, but also with the vaccine, I'm really hesitant to call this jab a vaccine, not because it's mRNA um, technology, that's not the reason why, because vaccines, the definition used to be something like gives lasting and durable immunity. Mm -hmm. They changed they it. Changed the definition. <laughs> yeah of a vaccine so it's like I, you know what i don't want to be one in thirty thousand who gets a heart attack so i'm gonna place my bets on my immune system and i'm glad i did because i had covid like pretty bad mm. not as bad as the flu like six years ago but it was pretty bad mm. and i, I just want to share this because if this helps anyone who has had it Obviously, I'm not a doctor. I'm not offering medical advice. Um, but based on other people's experiences of being hospitalized and my experience with the shortness of breath and feeling like I had asthma all over again, mm. on day four or five, your fever starts to go down and you're feeling maybe about like 50% better. So 
after people have been bedridden for so many days, then they're like, oh, I'm feeling a bit better. I'm going to get up and do things. Mm. <laughs> you get up and do something. And then before you know it, you're out of breath. And, and that's where people end up going to the hospital. I so see. I would say if you do get COVID and it's bad and you're symptomatic like that, even though you start to feel better towards the end of week one, just rest a few days longer. Like yeah, I, I believe I had some something like when Omicron was going around. Um, and personally, again, disclaimer, not a doctor, but I <laughs> highly recommend uh, NAC, which you can get off of iHerb. And it's basically just going to boost your immuno acids or whatever and uh it i mean personally i don't know it could have been placebo i could have an already very healthy immune system uh but i was sick i have a stress sickness that i get it's the same one i always know <laughs> it happens when bad bad things are going on but mm -hmm. uh yeah but uh, omicron you know i i've never done the big b I'm not going to do that. Uh, I have personal reasons and just, no, I say no. And that should be enough. Um, to be honest, like I don't even take flu you shots. Don't have to qualify it. Right. So, uh, but yeah, like, and then, you know, another friend was sick around the same time and seemed to be sick for much more severe and much longer time than I was. And this is only anecdotal. So I don't want right. to make any claims, but right. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like what we were sort of saying before, this sort of basic knowledge of like, well, I've just been sick. Like maybe I should rest a few more days until I'm like 100%, like actually feeling 100%. Right. And the fact that doctors aren't even allowed to give anything to patients to mitigate symptoms mm. That's is crazy. criminal. It, it, is <laughs> criminal. it is absolutely criminal. You're not letting doctors be doctors. Like it's okay to use things for off-label use. <laughs> like that whole, you know, demonization mm. of um, piverfectin. Ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, <laughs> neither of which I've looked into. Oh, that's why down. I do the podcast because so far so good. But yeah, like so far nothing's happened um, via the podcast, uh, but yeah, that stuff I don't know anything about or pretend to know anything about. But my my main gripe is like this sort of, like I said, this erasure of like basic, what I think is basic knowledge at this point, like stay home if you feel sick, like, you know, and these masks, I mean, that's a joke. They don't do anything. They don't even do anything in surgical theater. <laughs> no, I, well, I, I have a couple of snarky masks and I wear them to work and so far everyone thinks they're funny and no one's told me not to wear them so I have COVID-1984 mm -hmm. placebo government mandated muzzle and worn by force not fear mm. so those are my placebo cloth masks that I have to wear at work yeah, I was, I actually quit a job because I wasn't going to do that. And I, yeah, and now I have a much worse job that I don't like at all. So that's, you know, the joke of the matter, but I just well, couldn't. I love my job and most of the time I'm outdoors. That's great. So, See, yeah, if I know, didn't, I didn't love it. Or whatever. <laughs> right. That's cool. Yeah. So That's like, if you're going to make me wear it. You're going to know how I feel about it. <laughs> and it's going to signal to other people. So I don't know who is the psychologist or thinker, whoever, who came up with the 30, 40, 40 hypothesis. But according to this hypothesis, in a population. It might have been a Huxley. Oh. I think. There'll be like. 30% of the people who are all gung-ho for the propaganda mm -hmm. and then 40% who like actively speak against it and then you have a 40% who maybe is kind of against it but isn't really sure but doesn't speak their minds mm. so the more that you know the stronger people speak up in whatever way we can the more grave that 40% gets yeah 
Oh, well, we can only hope. Um, <laughs> I know that though, it's very funny because it really depends on geography. Like here, it's just specifically in Philly. Like I can't, I'm not supposed to go anywhere because I don't have the card that says I did the thing. Here in Philly? Yeah. So I don't know if like they instituted some kind of thing like on the 3rd of January that says, you know, you're supposed to show your papers <laughs> to eat oh, uh, inside, but an hour from here. So it's only our mayor, right? So it's like mm -hmm. an hour from here, I can go and like sit down and eat or whatever. Um, that's, that's how it is here. Chicago's very papers, papers, papers. I haven't been to Chicago since... I lived there basically. <laughs> mm. I've never been to Chicago. <laughs> it was a great place. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about this place now. <laughs> but so, yeah, I'm kind of further further out. It's it's kind of weird. It's kind of like the sticks, but it's like a small city. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's and kinda... it's kind of hit or miss here. Like, it's interesting. Like, even at work, I kind of play it by ear. Most of the time, it's just, like, around my chin. It just depends. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like we're all like... playing, like, this charade. Even early on, this older woman came up to me in South Philly. This was, like, oh. very early on into, into the thing. And I didn't have a, a mask on because I never started doing it. And... The older lady was like, oh, I better put, you know, I better put it up. And she started talking to me because old ladies do that. And she was like, she was like, you know, we're all just playing pretend, aren't we? Something like that. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> this was like, I don't know, like midway through 2020 or something, you know, that we had this exchange. And I'm just, it's, it's so, to me, it's the same picture. It's like transgenderism or COVID-19, sort of like we're all just playing pretend at this point. And it's a really long, tiring game. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. And just kind of going off on a little tangent here on transgenderism, I don't know if you are subscribed to the YouTube channel, Whose Body Is It? I'm not, but, but I did actually meet her at one point. She's a nice um, person. Um, she did an interview with Dr. Suzanne Vierling Forbes, and I was so excited because I only listened to one of her videos speaking at a wolf event before, and I'm like, this woman needs to write a book or something. But she really draws out the... Um, how transgender ideology is at its roots very racist. Mm. And mm. yeah, so check it out. What else does she say if you well, if you can remember? So largely she was floored that they would make comparisons between trans women and black women because we're both excluded from womanhood because, you know, the white woman is, you know, the prototype of womanhood. And, mm. and you know, it's just, that, that's hella racist because it wasn't that long ago when Black women were discriminated against and denied their womanliness because the scientists said that they were, you know, stronger and, you know. Yeah, it's all, it all goes back to eugenics in some way or another. Mm -hmm. And another thing that she talked about too was um, how in the hospital, they'll take the placenta as like a biohazard and charge the woman a fee for supposedly disposing of it and then sell it for $40,000 of placenta to medical research that, you know, wow. creates millions of dollars in revenue for life healing medicine. So it's like literally the stuff of our body, our regenerative force mm. can literally, is literally being used to like heal the world. And 
you know. And it's being stolen from people just like Henrietta Lacks. Yes. So I, I found it a really, really good interview and I'm definitely going to listen to it a second, third, tenth time. What was and her name one more time, the speaker? Uh, Dr. Suzanne Forbes Vierling, or Vierling Forbes. Okay. She's got a PhD in psychology, but she doesn't mess with the DSM. She's not interested in it. Yeah, it's always been very political, I think. <laughs> from what I understand. Um, yeah. I mean, and you can actually cite, you know, the medical industry uh, using people or, you know, making these sort of diagnoses that then fade out over time, like the lobotomy craze, you know, is just one of the most famous examples. Um, oh God, yeah. So yeah, they are always sort of exploiting people for this, you know, research so that they can supposedly help humanity, but it turns out they often harm people through these practices. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I just can't understand sometimes the disconnect. And I guess it really is just because, yeah, uh, that news bad, this news good, even though I've abandoned looking at all that stuff a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, and I really do, if you know, there's any radical feminists listening, to do your own looking, do your own digging, take like half an hour out of your day and use, instead of Google, I mean, I think even DuckDuckGo is compromised at this point, but DuckDuckGo is pretty good. Uh, Yandex is sort of okay. But Google's so, never gonna give you any results that are, uh, in fact, they bury the ones that they don't want you to find. Yeah, well, so a lot of the radical feminists who have very strong opinions about um, the jab mm -hmm. um, are from areas that were initially um, pretty tore up by COVID and, you know, have actually lost people to COVID. So what, mm -hmm. like, what would you say to them? Like, I know that the mortality rate is less than the flu but at the same time like you know that's yeah I understand in a way but there's also a part of me that has dealt with mortality very closely for like the past decade and mm -hmm. unfortunately something like those experiences will make you a little bit more callous towards death and that might be a jaded response. Uh, however, it is what I think is true that uh, I do, I'm sorry that you know you experience loss and it's a terrible thing, but it is inevitable. Uh, and I think you're right a lot if they're in maybe like New York City or someplace like this where also it's never ending. It doesn't end there. In fact, New York City is you know one of these pilot cities for digital ID. This is why they're doing it. Um, and sometimes I just want to say, like, do you not know, like, what the bigger picture is, the bigger idea? And it would seem that they would, but a lot of them just seem to be a sort of single issue mindset, this sort of transgender situation, which in itself is gross and disgusting uh, medical mismanagement. Like, mm -hmm. so it's very frustrating to just personally, that might be like a really jaded, callous response. And I do acknowledge that it's hard for people and it's going to be tough. It takes years to get over the loss of someone that you love. Like that's not something that's fun or easy to deal with. And I, I know because I've dealt with it a lot. So to those people, I'd say, I don't know. I mean, I don't communicate on these platforms. I, I'm not on Twitter really. I, I think it's bad for you. <laughs> I think it's bad for your yeah. soul. Like I noticed, you know, I just think these platforms create strife and you can't talk to someone this, even the same way we're doing right now, right? Where we're listening to each other's voices. We might not be seeing each other's faces, but that's because I twiddle around and I don't want anyone to see what I'm doing with my hands as far as gestures, but it's a lot different when we're talking. Hand gestures. What? 
I would love to see your animated hand gestures. I'm just walking around the house, pirouetting around the place. So no, it's pretty boring. <laughs> so I'm but, but it's different, right? Even if you disagree with somebody, like we can sort of talk about it and it's different if it's just text, like there's two steps removed there, you know, at least. Yeah. So it's it's frustrating. I mean, and then there's all the infighting that you see in these communities too, which is very interesting. But uh, I don't want to make this a drama cast. No, no. And, you know where? So where I live, there was a. There probably still is. I don't know. I I um didn't keep up with my email address that I used, and so like that email account just I guess Yahoo closes your email account if it if you don't use it after a year or something so I was going to this radical feminist meetup group in Chicago I went to a few of them you know and then COVID hit and then it was like you know nothing was happening and then you know they started talking about getting back together again but everyone's super into masks and, mm. and I'm just like <sighs> like well, they keep scheduling these things in New York City. Um, I was invited to go to an event coming up, I think, in March. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm like, I'm not going there. I, I don't feel like I can already, I already feel the same effects here. And I'm like, what is my escape route? There are several I'm entertaining at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm like, I'm not going to this place where I have to do all these things that I'm totally against just to see like Posey Parker. Yeah, I, I can't, I won't go to New York, uh, probably again. And I grew up sort of close to New York and uh, my friend was like, I can't believe you've only been there like 10 times. I'm like, no, I just don't like it there uh, even before this started. But they are one of these pilot cities and that is why they're putting all these things through with the digital identity. This has been a plan for a long time. I've seen TED talks from, uh, maybe as far back as five or six years talking about, you know, we need to get everybody these digital identities. These have been pilot programs in war areas like Afghanistan, you know, they want that biometric data. It's all about it. And I, I don't know how I can, or anyone, you know, cause it must be a very divisive topic if you're still in these groups, like, feel like maybe it's not even it's just not even spoken about at this point probably well sometimes I kind of feel like because Alex Jones talked about all of this that if you connect any dots you're a right-wing conspiracy theory theorist yeah I think what they don't understand is that that's also an intelligence operation like that's it's entertainment. It's so that people won't search out the data or the information on their own. You know, they can just, oh, Tucker Carlson says this, what an idiot, or Alex Jones says that, or uh, Anderson Cooper, who's totally intelligence. I mean, oh my God. Uh, you know, it's like people don't seem to realize that, like, I don't know what happened to like media literacy, let's say, where it's like, you don't, do you not know that you're watching a show? Like it's a show. Um, People can't critically think. I mean, even if you look at like universities right now, the place where you're supposed to explore ideas and be wrong and maybe even offend someone and being wrong, mm -hmm. you can't do that anymore. So maybe like a kid mm -hmm. thinks something that is not, you know, left woke, you know. Yeah, they True. think men can't become women or something crazy like yeah. that. And so they like say something and then everyone like dogpiles them and <laughs> it's like that that's not what university is supposed to be about. So people are holding back their thoughts, opinions, questions, however informed or uninformed they are, when people are afraid to like even communicate that. Yeah, I experienced some that, of that. That's so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then it sort of shunts them into an Alex Jones direction. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. then, then they they feel like they can't share, you know, even questions or 
things that they're feeling and then they'll go off into these weird internet rabbit holes and find you know really crappy information as well and it's just like there needs to be some kind of level of discernment but i think it's sort of been programmed out of people uh by various means <laughs> like it's just so it's why it's a wild time to be alive i think mm -hmm. um just all this sort of uh post-truth kind of situation we find ourselves in but it's not the the uh, it's not like CBS or NBC that's like refuting. They're like creating post-truth. They're creating fake news. Like mm -hmm. it's it's pretty crazy. So yeah, I, it doesn't surprise me. But I just I'm absolutely floored at how you know polarized mm -hmm. people can be. Even in real life too. It's not. They're not as polarized as on the internet, or maybe they're just a little more polite with each other. Yeah, because they're face to face. <laughs> and then you never know what people are looking at it on the internet in their free time. Like Right. Like so so I break the rules when I'm at places like work. You know, people are like three things you never talk about. Uh was it religion, politics, and then what's the third one? Sex. Oh, well, I don't talk about sex at work. <laughs> but religion and politics. Right. I think it helps people feel a little freer to, you know, express themselves. And maybe I say something they don't like or something, and they're like, yeah, and they like change me on. And then they're like, oh, okay, it's okay to disagree. Mm-hmm. You know, and speaking of religion, <laughs> I think a big reason why transgenderism is not, is, is kind of flying under the radar of a lot of people. It's yeah. just like, oh, okay, like, that's just like more gay people we have to accept, you know, and like straight, you know, everyday society. <laughs> I think it's because people accept gender as sex like they don't stop and think that like they think like oh like woman feminine that's like flowing and gentle and nurturing and soft and yin and man is like masculine and angular and you know uh assertive and you know at, at the end of the day and I'm, I guess someone kind of put me in like a new agey camp, but oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't, fine. like, I can't stand how they have to like genderize everything. And it's just, it, it's so like irritating because it's like, what you're making into this big mystical concept is just like people's likes and personality traits. Yeah, I know I said that. Yeah, totally. Like, th that's it. Like, why do we even have to, like, why can't we just be in, like, a post-gender world where we love and accept our bodies? The, that, that's the biggest thing for me is the split is this idea that you can be born in the wrong body. The mm -hmm. idea that your soul is different from your body. And that goes back to Descartes. You know, yes. that is like Christianity, like at its fundamental, there's the split between the material and the spiritual. And that's right. a big reason why, you know, misogyny as we know it in the West was created because of the split between material and spiritual. And it's, it's one, like you can inhabit your body. Like I can inhabit my body and go shoot a gun. Like, I don't have to put on pants to do that or, like, think I have, like, a male brain, right? Like, I, so I just, I, I get so, like, ugh, it, it, it just feels, like, so tedious because people think gender is this, like, wonderful, life-affirming thing, and it's, like, no, you're just talking about things that you like and personality traits and yeah, and I think though, like if we want to talk a little bit about the New Age community, it is 
one of these communities that I first started hearing about transgenderism, like uh, when I was on gender critical Reddit, like looking into all this stuff, a lot of the women on that message board were saying like, I come from this, uh, you know, new age Gaia community or something. I don't know. I've never been in any of those communities and I'm not here to denigrate them at all. Yeah. Uh, oh no, no, me, me neither. I oh, just yeah. I'm but, like I'm kind of uh, hippie But it's it. interesting because you know these women were complaining and they were like, well, uh, so they say that you know they have to take on the feminine qualities, right? You know, a lot of these things are like embedded in certain forms of spiritualism as well, and it's like really interesting to me that that was one of the first places it was popping up because then you have these guys that are like, well, I must be you know, I must have a more feminine spirit and also sort of like to like usurp female energy in a way. Uh, I mean, not just in a way, but, but totally, that's totally what feminine male manipulators. Yes. Mary Daly wrote a book about that. Yeah. Which book was it? Or was it in gynecology? It's been many years. It wasn't in gynecology because I actually read that. No, it was, um, I think the name of the book might have been Effeminate Male Manipulators. There is a YouTube channel called Sin Big Mm -hmm. that talked about it. Yeah, I remember her channel. I don't think she's published anything for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But was there way back when, you know, I I was first looking into this stuff in like uh, 2016 or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting that these guys, it, no matter what it is, it is misogyny, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or sexism, you know, if it's the, the reverse sort of, it's still misogyny though, right? Because the way that these women express it is, it's, it's like a self-hate situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so either way you slice it, it's misogyny and sexism. Yeah, I just, I guess my my wish for people is that, you know, we can all just learn to love and inhabit our bodies, which is a pretty tall order, mm. you know, given the world, the cultures that we're born into, and then just, you know, do what floats your boat. It's like, it's okay. Like, you, you don't have to be a girl to like your sparkles and unicorns. Right. Okay. Yeah, but there's just, it's like the thing that the reason I think that they aren't able to do this is because it's like what I call like pre-prescribed identities, like from uh, media, you know, the internet, uh, television, mostly the internet these days, you know, TikTok, et cetera. And so they, all of these, it's like a loop that feeds itself. I've already said this in some other video short thing, but yeah, it's it's a feedback loop. So they've, they've been told like from the society, I mean, we can talk about how when we were, maybe I feel like we're around the same age, but like young women and you see all these images in magazines and television that are like, oh, I don't look like that. And now the best that they do with liberal feminism is like, okay, well, we're still, we're gonna like, now we're just gonna show different body shapes and still exploit yeah. women's form. But right, it's, so like the enti- they have an entire culture apparatus that media apparatus that like plays upon people's weakness and people's search for identity, which is a very human thing. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And I sometimes I found in online radical feminist and gender critical spaces some really, you know, deep dehumanizing mm-hmm. of you know, people struggling with gender identity. Like, yes, there's always going to be like predatory autogynophile men who will like threaten to rape you with their lady dick. But that's like a lot of these people are confused children. And right. these, like, in fact, the majority I'd say. About them. And like, they're, ch- they're pretty much, ch- as far as I'm concerned, anyone under the age of 25 is a child. Yes, that's what... <laughs> current brain science uh tells us <laughs> it's been, like i went back in our conversation a little bit earlier like it's still crazy to me that a 13 year old can make any kind of medical decision mm-hmm. and that's really what the conversation is like 
children who are exposed to this propaganda, who are, you know, basically brainwashed by it, like we should be able to safeguard them. And I think there needs to be more of a, con- I, at least that's where Parker Posey, I think gets it right. You know, mm-hmm. talking about the safeguarding of children, which I think is really important. Um, yeah. And like, you can be, ang- like, I just am not as angry about like a sad, like delusional man anymore. I'm like, uh, like he's, he's a porn addict. Like, what can I even do with that? <laughs> what can I even do? And maybe this may seem a bad feminist, but I'm not even like offended that he gets off on the idea of being a woman because him that equals subjugation. Like as long as it stays in his own little world. Yeah, the problem is it never does. That's the the deal with these dudes. Like a, a lot of predatory men, you know, like just to paint with a broad brush, like they can't keep it to themselves that's the whole thing (laughs) Uh so and so yeah I mean I've been back and forth with these ideas for many years now and I'm I'm completely like anti-pornography I do seem it see it as a form of like mind control at this point which is something I'm working on but I just uh I feel like it's sort of victim blaming when you when you're like, well, here's a person and they're totally brainwashed. Like, oh, uh, like let's talk a bunch of crap about, you know, their condition. And it's like, well, <laughs> I don't know. I feel kind of bad. I have I have a bit of empathy towards the brain the masked brainwash because there's so many now. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like uh, like uh, how can I even be angry? You know, they, they can't even seem to find the same information that I find. It's I, I heavy irony. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Like, I mean, all we can do really is just speak our truth with compassion, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, if it offends someone, like, I'm, you know, I'm terribly sorry, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, like. Yeah, I but it's about always you. about feelings, too. It's like never... <sighs> that's the whole situation I think with like the quote-unquote left is like it's always about like feelings over fact I think and I get that but but feelings are important like I I don't know if you've done the Myers-Briggs test kind of like astrology no (laughs) I stay away from all that stuff people try to tell me all sorts of things and I'm like I'm good (laughs) no idea so I I, like Feelings are important, but you can't use them as a way to manipulate people to not say what they're thinking. You know, right. but, but feelings are important. They're, you know, they're, they're a good initial barometer. Yeah, I'm not denying that I think like emotions are important, acknowledging them and your feelings, but like to use like what you said in an argument that's just not, and I feel like that's what people, and why I said it in quotes, because I don't really believe in a left or a right, but what people on the so-called left sort of do more of, it's like sort of rely on these emotional arguments. Well, it's kind of like with COVID, you know, it's you know, the emotional argument of, you know, all these people dying and the hospitals flooding and, you know, and if you try to argue that, you know, actually the data indicates this is, you know, what is it like a 0.03, don't quote me on it, percent mortality rate and like different areas have different levels of hospitalizations and And you can't do that because you're just, you know, a callous asshole who doesn't care about the health and safety of others, which is far from it. Like, I am all about people being as healthy as they can be to begin with. And if you do get sick, like, there is so much plant medicine and not just plant, but just like, there's, there's so much life that we're a part of on this planet that we can, you know, use and be a part of to facilitate healing and mitigate symptoms. Mm-hmm. Like going back to ivermectin, I don't know a whole, whole lot about that, but I do know that it is 
it it's created from a soil microorganism and that it's primarily used as an antifungal and yeah, anti but but oftentimes those things have um, antiviral properties too. Like one of the things I took, and disclaimer, not a doctor, was oregano oil. You know, and mm -hmm. that was very powerful. It is a powerful antibiotic, but it also does have antiviral properties. Yeah, I mean, even aspirin is derived, I believe, from willow, I think. Yep if I'm right. Uh, and I think the statement about that is very interesting because all of this knowledge, I think, was initially kept by healers in community women. that were, yes, women, women exactly. Uh, mm -hmm. And then the medical industry comes in, uh, you know, during, uh, I guess, around what, Middle Ages or something like this, when they were killing women because they were natural healers right? The witch burnings. Uh, yeah. So all of this stuff has been usurped, you know, from human knowledge, as well as just like female knowledge, which is really interesting to me. And, you know, not, a, not enough people seem to know this. And it's sort of this medical tyranny model ever since. Um, I don't know where else I can go with that as far as what you know <laughs> but i feel like i feel like it, people are going to come around eventually like i i just i i can't speak so much other than like my my the thing that i will say that is not you know a fact is that i think perhaps these medications are hurting people more than they're harming them and only time will tell and data um, which is, that's the saddest part. It's like someone like me, I actually have looked at all this data. <laughs> like, it's kind of crazy. Like I, well, I, I think looking at the data is why I didn't end up in the hospital. Cause I knew take it easy right. on the day when you're feeling better, but yeah. people aren't allowed. They're not allowed to talk about information, share information. And only if you're really tenacious and insistent will you actually get it. <laughs> yeah, and they changed the, the data sets to like in front of my very eyes. So I was checking this John Hopkins map like in early 2020, like every day. And mm -hmm. then they changed it to make it less valuable. Like the information wasn't as good. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Like. There's just so much weirdness around it. You don't even have to make stuff up. Like the fact that they won't allow anyone to talk about it, you know, it's those in power here. You're not allowed to criticize that, you know, those are the people doing it. Like, so it's like, we're not allowed to talk about transgenderism, right? Uh, but right. we're also not allowed to talk about this. And it's the okay. same big pharma thing. So yeah, we'll just bring it all full circle. We were complaining yeah. kind of at the beginning of this about, you know, how, uh, quote unquote leftists were always against big pharma and like now it's like well I better get this you know get another one and I guess it's because their lifestyles have been held hostage you know what I mean like they want to go back to the bar or the whatever they're doing the concert they want to go see Neil Young or whoever all, all I have to do is go somewhere a little more rural or suburban or go somewhere a little further south and they can do whatever they want yeah, Just but they like don't they don't want to go to those places because those are the no no places where the bad bad people are and they listen to the I orange know, man. And we... Yeah, she did go to Florida. <laughs> so oh. just just to finally ask you what what's the deal? Why do you think leftists are not able to like take a look at this? uh without feeling or emotion just look at the data sets and like is it really just the propaganda like what's the deal what's your final take on it i mean my hunch is that it has to do with both propaganda and the um the clannishness of human beings mm, tribalism like we yeah, like we want to be in our camps and mm -hmm. 
and the propaganda helps to feed that. That's why we have to disrupt that, you know, as much as we can. <laughs> we'll see, it's a little ripple, but you know, a little ripple sometimes reaches some interesting people and maybe they send out more ripples. We can only hope.